having that romance subplot while you're on planet Witcher 2. It's V'ger, please, a, a heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. And I'm a strip mining lizard, Peter. Peter, before we start talking about this week's episode, I want to thank all of our fans who have been commenting on the different places that you can talk about the show, whether it's on our Facebook group, which we plug a lot, whether it's replies to Twitter, uh, or places like our seldom used but still always updated YouTube channel, which is kind of like the third backup location if you ever want to listen to our show or watch old live streams or, or the Let's Play I did of Elite Force, uh, as well as our Discord which I know I don't talk about much, but we have a Discord. If you'd like to be on it, hit me up. You can reach me on Twitter at please and DM me, and I'll, I'll happily get you in there. Doug89 wrote the following, and I wanted to share it because every time I read it, I got, like, mad. And I just want, I want everyone else to be mad. So here you go. I was thinking about Icheb the other day. He was the only alien from the Delta Quadrant that reached the finish line with Voyager. The other two who joined the crew either left Season 4 or at the last minute. Seven years of chances to recruit locals to Earth, and only one person reached Earth. How historic would that be, being the only person from so far away to visit and make their home in the Alpha Quadrant? The very first. Voyager would be in the history books, probably taught in schools. I bet you there's a Wikipedia equivalent that documents every fact about Voyager with its own pages for each M. He even went on to enroll in Starfleet Academy, became a Starfleet officer. And this extremely special individual, what is his end? Federation citizens abducted him and butchered him while alive and awake so they can make money off of his parts. You think they're teaching that shit to kids? <laughs> like Make make money in the post uh, scarcity. Yeah, f- fuck no money hard, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I want to talk, you know, that, that, that's coming in from our uh, from our listeners. I want to talk about some non-listeners I want to talk okay. some non-fans I want to talk about our wives yes okay <laughs> i have yet and we're we're going into episode nine which how how does the time fly how are we already nine episodes in it's april 7th 2022 we are already nine fucking episodes in how many are there for uh season 126 again yeah it's a full full order i mean we're almost halfway through the first season there's only four of them time's flying I have yet to be able to get my wife to sit down and actually watch an episode with this. And it's not like I'm twisting her arm. It's not like I'm even asking her, but I'll be just like, hey, you want to chill out on the couch or whatever? No. <laughs> like there was at least a willingness with uh, Voyager, specifically around Jerry Ryan, for my wife to sit down and, and give a shit. And that's because she liked Jerry Ryan from whatever Boston she, Public or Boston Public. Like that. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, and she'd sit there and she'd watch stuff and occasionally have some input on things. But there is zero traction whatsoever for uh, Enterprise with her. What are your experiences with Stevie? Stevie was very interested to begin with and watched the, the, the premiere and really liked it. I even I think I talked about quite extensively that she was like very interested. I think she's warmer to it overall than Voyager, but... I don't think it's necessarily grabbed her either, if that makes sense. She started out kind of high and it's kind of drifted a little bit. It's interesting. And and I did a poll a couple days ago on the trauma support group, because when we started with Voyager, a lot of people came to the podcast because they were already fans of Voyager and people who didn't like Voyager. Why, why would you seek out a podcast specifically about Voyager? Right. Sure. Yeah. Um. 
so we had this built in audience appreciation when we made the decision to go in enterprise, you know, you and I did it because we were afraid that deep space nine was going to be too good. And that <laughs> might limit our comedic potential. There were certainly some people who were not thrilled to hear that we were going to be moving into enterprise myself, chiefly among them. Also, in fairness, we were trying not to bite off another seven seasons. It took us four years to get through Voyager. We wanted to make sure we could commit to finishing the next thing that we decided to do. Also a fair point. But I was very surprised to see some of the results in the uh, the poll. And it was just basically trying to get... We had a few specific people in the group that uh, were very anti- uh, enterprise and sentiment. And surprisingly, with only, I think, two or one uh, exceptions, everybody has gone with either, yes, I'm warming up a little, or yes, I'm warming up a lot. Or it was already a fan. Yeah, I'm not counting those. I, I, again, <laughs> it was it was the, the preset haters that I was interested in. So, uh, you know, the reason I'm bringing up the wives is they're just not Star Trek fans at all, really, versus Star Trek fans who did not have an interest in enterprise beforehand uh, and a willingness within the Star Trek fans to buy in on the show. Whereas my wife, who is not a Trek fan, just couldn't give a single shit about anything going on at TV short of Jolene Blaylock's nipples in that first episode. That I mean, that, that, great that was, that was, that was fascinating from a number of different perspectives. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, the show you said it early. I can't remember if it was the premiere or maybe it was the one of the episodes after, but you said the show just does not feel like Star Trek the same way other Berman era shows have felt. There's something very different about it. It's not like alien to the previous experiences, but it is the vibe is different. And I feel like if the vibe being different is a turnoff, that probably just blocks people out of really even being interested. You know, mm -hmm. you look at the military, military style jumpsuits, you look at the analog controls, you look at the high definition picture, you, you know, you, you, you just are like, yeah, I don't know what this is. It's not what I'm used to. And you, and you don't give it a chance. And I think that's really the story of enterprise overall. What, I mean, now that we're kind of on the topic, nine episodes in you know, eight, really, if you're, if you're counting the, the premiere is just, one and two. Um, what do you think so far? I agree with your your frequent assessment, and that is the bad does not get anywhere near the the depths that Voyager was able to achieve. Right? Right. And we can sit here and I don't know if we're going to do it. Will, maybe it'll be a season one rip conversation topic as to why that is exactly. Is it a better cast? Is it better writing? I personally at this point feel that maybe there were some heavy studio notes that came down in the wake of Voyager that said, Hey, uh, this shit does not fly. Please do not do this anymore. Maybe somewhere in the executive, uh, production team, someone was paying attention at conventions or taking fan input and was like, man, th these are the traits that really made Voyager episodes suck so hard. Uh, and, and we're just going to avoid that completely. But um, you know, it's 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 given me what I want, and that is continuity. Uh, decisions matter. And even though you know where ultimately all this is going to end up, it's still fun for them to be able to do stuff like, oh, this is why the away team should check in 
every 15 minutes. This is why the away team should check for alien vests. Like that building of procedure, that building the real operational foundation of Starfleet, I take enjoyment from. And it's the same stuff we said about Voyager. Like any little throwaway piece of dialogue about Tuvok's past or anything that you can just take out of an episode and be like, well, my head cannon set's much bigger for the event. Like that is what enterprise is full of everything ultimately will matter one way or another. And I think the writing team has been doing a great job of sprinkling a lot of little, I don't know if I want to call them Easter eggs, but like head, head cannon candy bits, head cannon candy corns, little, little tidbits, little, little treats, little Tim bits for the fans. Yeah. We have Canadian fans, little Tim bits. What little Tim bit did we consume this week, Peter? Season one, episode nine civilization. This is the classic, uh, we went down to the Renfair planet episode. Star Trek can't help itself but to have certain amounts of these within the run of any series. Cloak's very popular on this planet. I, like I said, this is Planet Witcher 2. <laughs> like, cloaks everywhere. That or uh, this is Planet uh, Elder Scrolls Morrowind, specifically. I am going to call this planet Olive Garden. For the architectural sort of, okay. The architectural yeah. aesthetics combined with the amount of fake foliage hanging off the fucking stucco walls. Were you expecting someone to come in with never-ending breadsticks? That would have been a real treat. What, what if What if they went to a planet that was basically just a giant olive garden? That would be that would be amazing. That's an episode of the, of the Orville waiting to fucking happen. That's some real Rick and Morty. What's it, uh, Blitz and Chits? Blitz and shits where they get like, yeah, the planet the, Dave Busters. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. They need to do this. Planet Olive Garden. The, 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 the problem of the week is they've run out of fettuccine Alfredo. They only the Enterprise can help them. This will be not an Olive Garden, but a buffet that it looks like Star Trek is going to go back to several times. Reading the memory alpha on this guy. Real quick, we got a story by Phyllis Strong and Mike Sussman, directed by Mike Viger. Again, Viger is an old name and direction by this point. Shame he doesn't really have any stand. I don't know. There's some pretty cool scenes. Like the, he does well with the Renfest torch, candlelight, heavy sunlight use. It's a well-directed episode, I thought. But uh, reading through the memory alpha, this the the bad guys in this are people who are throwaway name of dudes that were eradicated in a TOS episode. Yeah. By nomad. (laughs) (laughs) And then even the, uh, the local indigenous people, whatever the fuck their names were, the, I, I, I'm not even going to call these guys. What an outing. Well, well, I'll tell you what Archer certainly picks the right alien species to put his mouth on. He certainly found some comely aliens, particularly one in particular. But this alien race, uh, it looks like actually pops up in Discovery Season 4. Not that I would know. <laughs> well, me neither. Again, I'm reading this off Memory Alpha. But um, yeah, this this is a buffet that will be visited time and time again by other Star Trek properties. The strong part of this episode to me is the... Enterprise futzing around with not having a prime directive protocol and kind of like fucking up a little bit, you know, kind of playing fast and loose with the rules because no one's really paying attention. That part's fun. The the actual climax of this episode sucks. It just is not well written and not well put. It's like it kind of 
they had an idea of what they wanted to do, which these are evil Captain Planet villains. And they wanted, you know, the Captain Planet to save the day, in this case, Enterprise. But they didn't know how to actually make that work, right? Like, instead, it's this weird, like, passionless ending where they're just stuck in a room until they, like, press the right button and then they get out. This is a very boring episode. And it is interesting. Again, this is another one. This is back-to-back Enterprise episodes where I have less than half a page of notes. And I can give you the entire plot of it right now. Enterprise goes down to a uh, a brass age civilization and finds out there are other aliens hiding and abusing the local population by poisoning them, doing um, evil industrial things. And Enterprise stops it. The end. There's not really a B plot. There's not a ton of character development. It's an extremely simple, basic plot. And I'm, you know, you compare that, like, at least I think Voyager had a really strong B game. And in a lot of cases, the B or sometimes even the C plot was way more engaging than whatever the primary dilemma the crew was trying to work through. I think there was a B plot. The B plot was the thing I mentioned, which is Enterprise not knowing what the fuck to do to, like, actually surveil these people covertly and Archer having to deal with um, Yennefer or whatever. <laughs> Yennefer uh, Vanderbog. Man, yeah. yeah, just straight up. That's yeah. Okay. Yennefer. Okay. Uh, like with Yennefer, like getting, getting wise to what's going on and having to deal with, you know, semi covertly, semi not covertly. Man, this in- is the Witcher because it's a alien outsider uh, courting the beautiful woman while having to fight the monstrous menace inflicting harm upon the village. Witcher two, man, <laughs> like complete with cloaks. Yeah. Now, Witcher three had a little bit more of like a HP Lovecraftian sort of like they really the monsters element got a lot better in that game. That's well, I- that monstrous element is uh, radiation poisoning. But the B plot is the Yennefer plot, right? Like, you know, Archer is meeting this lady and she he's, you know, attracted to her. And she is like the coolest native ever. She's like the anti-Marclulian, you know, like she's she she is not going to like create a new religion around Archer. She's going to like dispassionately observe that he has space weapons and he's shooting aliens and be like, Okay, so if you have a starship, why the fuck are you here? We suck. Like, you should be going doing rad shit. Like, it just accepts it uncritically. Stop me if you heard this one before, but why didn't they just incorporate her into the main cast? Yeah, like, if she is that cool with what's going on, that they have the conversation about space people off camera, and you just join their conversation in media res, where she's like questioning the wisdom of archer being there to begin with like we can't be that interesting come on have you seen this place here in the stars there's gotta be cooler things i live here i know it sucks <laughs> like yeah he's like, a total space mark and yeah I, more and more in this show it's feeling like they got kind of shitty main cast members but all of the guest stars are coming off as like fucking rad and cool and people that i would like to see more of than, than some of the standard cast members. And, you know, I knew they weren't going to pick this lady up, but going back to our conversation last episode, there's only two female characters on this show. And I think this would have been a great opportunity to a explain or, you know, kind of reconcile how they're leaving someone who is pre combustion engine behind on a planet with all this crazy advanced knowledge of 
space and space people and this other stuff who's also smart as fuck i mean there's an entire scene in there where it's flocks and paul being like yeah this lady really knows her stuff she's the one that figured out the right button to push on the on the on the space doohickey archer was trying to disarm like i'm not as down on the cast as you although i will agree that it would be nice if they could have like traded this lady out for mayweather nothing of importance would have been lost, i don't think they'd but... have to drop her so much as uh or drop Mayweather as, as much as just maybe it's too Cassie for him. I'm trying to find in the memory alpha who actually plays her. What was her name? Diane Delascio. So this, had- this lady is Italian. <laughs> she have any other uh, Star Trek chops? No, this is the one and only role she ever had on Trek. Well, I don't know. I mean, that that's really the only interesting thing that's really going on in this uh, what seems to be a very budget friendly episode, uh, we start what I'm noticing to be a rather rare exterior shot of the Enterprise. And I've already stated I'm not a real big fan of what the NX-01 looks like. Uh, and I think that somewhere in the creative pool within Enterprise, there's an agreement. Either the exterior shots are too expensive to produce or they just aren't feeling the vibe either because you compare this to Next Gen or Voyager and I feel like there was way more exterior shots of the ship than what it's, we get out of Enterprise. It's gotten to be an expense thing. Like they can't use a model. This is all digital and it's high res, right? Like they have to create it's not like a standard def and you can kind of you don't have to go that extra level on the detail of the ship and its contours they have to make it look good when it's on screen because it's going to be very obvious if they phone it in. So they have to be judicious in their use of effects because of the additional Yeah, but expense. once you already have the model rendered, I mean, and it's in space, they're not showing it over, the, it doesn't have to show over the planet. Again, you compare this to Voyager, and I think there was way more lingering shots on Voyager. It's, it's still it's still 2001, too. Like, just because the model's rendered doesn't actually, like, it's still a lot to actually do the shot, you know? It's not like today. It's not like 20 years later. We're like, okay, the hard part's over. Now you just got to position the asset and just fly it and put a sound effect in. You're good. I think the NX one looks good. So I'm probably making an excuse. They have their bridge meeting, right? And I guess this is the first time I've realized that their little conference room area isn't actually a dedicated room. It looks like it's a alcove to the rear of the bridge. Correct. It's just a little table. They stand around at the back of the bridge. And Archer's like, what's up? And they're like, hey, here's a bunch of boring shit. And also here's like a ringer for Earth. We'll call this one Earth 3 because Earth 2, Terra Nova. And that was, you know. A no, no, Earth, Earth 2 was the psychotropics planet where we have all pulled guns yeah, on each other. Right. We're on yeah. Earth, we're on Southern California version 4 now. Olive Garden version 1. <laughs> so they all are trolling Archer by like not talking about it, including to Paul, which I thought was funny that she was in on the joke. And uh, they start to, after they get back from the from the credits, they start to scan. And they're like, yeah, these guys are pre-industrial. They got sailing ships. They are deep into Witcher 2. And uh, that's where they're at technologically. Look at all that soup. Look at all that salad. How can we say no to going down? And to Paul's like, well, funny you mention it. Uh, we space elves have a little rule where we do not contact people who are pre Warp, uh, which is a rhetoric you may recognize from being actually part of the Prime Directive. And there's this floundering on the bridge of like, you know, well, what's the right thing to do here? Because clearly 
what the Vulcan is saying is sound advice, but also we are impetuous, perpetually stupid children who have intentionally stuck our hand in the fire multiple times this season. We can't guys, listen to it. Guys, 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 we won't have a show if we keep listening to her good <laughs> advice. We have to find a way to do something dumb. Trip, well, what would you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, Archer throws a line out there. He's like, well, you know, we don't really have first contact protocols. And it's like, again, what, what has humanity been doing for the past 70 years? That nobody on Earth or anywhere in Starfleet or whatever the government is, was ever sitting around like, God, what are we going to do when we're spacefaring when we get this fucking warp five engine up and running like the the words? What if just don't exist on Earth at this point? Zero contingencies. They do a little, uh, you know, computer enhance, computer enhance, computer enhance, doing their best uh, uh, Blade Runner impression. And sure enough, these aliens look exactly like humans, except for just a wee little bit of stuff on their forehead. Not even like uh, they're like basically Bajoran ridges, but they're on the temples and they're like, hey, we'll just go down the flocks and flocks can paint on some ridges and we can just go down there like dudes, like some dudes, you know, we'll we'll, we'll have Sato go down because she's real good at alien languages in case the translator fails. It'll be all good. One part of this episode is when they somehow start bringing up conversations that are happening. I don't know. Do they have radios? Is that what I'm supposed to believe? I mean, they have these mobile devices that apparently... No, no, not Starfleet, the, the, the natives. Do they have some way of that they're broadcasting that... Uh... No. They have no EM radiation whatsoever. Uh, it, they are able to eavesdrop using their own sensors. They just like literally like listen in to people's conversations. So they start tuning in on this, and it is some A-plus Sims background conversation yeah, noise. it's some sim Simlish or whatever that's called. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's some fake gobbledygook. Kind of does sound like Italian. That's definitely the vibe they went with the whole thing. I know we're making a joke about the fucking Olive Garden, but they definitely went with pre-Renaissance Italian as the basis for these guys. Yeah. I right mean, down John to the apothecary. Yeah, if Johnny Stavies walked in, he'd fit right in. I'm just saying. With his, his Katharina. Yeah, Katharina. Right. Oh, boy. So they are getting ready just to send Hoshi down there by herself. And then they come up with a little scanny, scanny uh, information that says, oh, no, guys, we've got a problem. There's a fucking antimatter reactor down there. <laughs> um, sir, seems seems sus given the circumstances. We should probably check that out because we're a bunch of fucking busybodies. It's a simple concept, but it is uh, one that certainly invokes a lot of thoughts like not an invasive alien force, the scope of the Borg, not, you know, Klingon warships coming down in orbital bombardment or slavery and, and whatever else the Romulans might have brought along. But just like, hey, I was a planetary surveyor working for my government and we saw this and it looked like a real sweet deal. A bunch of dummies living a good life on a clean planet. We can go down there and basically strip mine this thing out of the basement like a like a young adult novel, right? <laughs> you could choose your own adventure down there. And uh, so what if we poison everybody? But like, again, if if aliens are real, the the super slim chance that any interaction Earth is going to have with them is going to be good because you're either going to get like resource stripped by the combine, like Half-Life 2 or... <laughs> 
just five dudes down there setting up uh, mining equipment and leaking oil all up in your water supply, giving everybody cancer. I mean, we're fast forwarding a bit, but apparently the solution at the end is that the they let the Vulcans know of like, these guys need a fucking someone to come by every once in a while and check to make sure no one's picking on them. I know you're not willing to do that for your own monastery. That's also housing super sensitive, uh, long distance spy equipment that's being frequently raided. But if you could do that for these guys, that would be really swell. (laughs) I know you can't be bothered to defend yourself adequately, but maybe you can defend these people adequately. I don't know. You guys are weird. So (laughs) there's an attempt, though, to solve that problem, though, is basically what I'm saying is. I give I'm giving them credit because unlike perhaps a Voyager episode, they don't just like ignore that concept. They actually address it. Well, you know, the the elephant in the room here is false prophets, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a super simple, very ideal, serene Hamlet that has been afflicted with space nonsense. It is outside the jurisdiction of the Federation, which at this point doesn't even exist. And it becomes this dilemma that they don't really pay any attention to in the episode because Archer's just like, we have to help these people. And that is, that is an uncritic, that, that, that claim is viewed uncritically through the episode. They make the decision to help these people. And at no point does any character question that, that impulse. That's what the majority of this episode should have been. Again, half a page of notes. This was a full episode. And I, I don't know how they stretched it out this long because it's so slow and and time wasted. There's no B plot, really, so to speak of. Like, I needed a big argument somewhere on that bridge. Jump back to uh, Terra Nova, the debate between Archer and DePaul over, you know, whether or not they should take these uh, human colonists, these former human colonists back to Earth. Like, what right does Starfleet have to get involved in this? Yeah, like, what are, why are you doing this? Why are you involving yourself in a dispute where that's like, you know, nearly 100 light years from your planet? And you, what, so you scare these people off. What are you going to do to help them? You know, like, you're just creating a worse situation for them later. Are you creating a adversary that Earth is going to have to answer to? Everybody yeah. you've encountered up to this point has been technologically superior to you. And now you're going in and potentially taking what, for all you know, is a state funded mineral excavation adventure and you're gonna fuck these dudes shit up like are they gonna run home and say hey earth's bad guys and and now we should take our better ships and go take them to pound town like no discussion to any repercussions anywhere and for you know these building blocks episodes i i think now's the right time to have that conversation when is it right for us to put our dick in the mashed potatoes? And I'm not saying that there's also – I don't think either of us are saying there isn't necessarily a positive case to be made for interve- for intervention that they could have put into the episode. Yes. You know, I, I am here for the defense that Archer would give for intervention. You know, like, listen, I know that this is not, you know, directly our business. I know it doesn't affect Earth, but you know, we learned th- through how you, the Vulcans, came and helped us – uplift ourselves beyond what we were that we have a bigger responsibility to the galaxy to defend people who can't defend themselves like something like that especially if you could bring to paul like in this theoretical where i would assume to paul is, is is making the counter argument right making the logical counter argument you shouldn't involve yourself to say well you know what you didn't have to help us you didn't have to help post nuclear horror earth get their fucking shit together and make it so that we could become the thriving spacefaring you know 
technologically adept civilization that we've become today. But you did. And you know what? I know it. I can't help like uplift these people that are not ready for that, but I can make sure as hell make sure someone else isn't taking advantage of them. That's yeah, the, the least I can of that do. Is you did not come down here and financially or resourcefully abuse us, and that's what's happening here. We are watching yeah. a crime. I again, we're, we're, we keep going back to Voyager. It's because this is the predecessor. Uh, that was the predecessor, and it's it's been. Under <laughs> I think it's deserved to go back to it because it is the immediate predecessor show. And and has had heavy effects on this show. Right there at the end of Voyager, the first st- uh, entry into the stupid Chakotay Seven of Nine. No, it wasn't the first one. The first one was her having the holographic simulation. Correct. You're talking about the finale then. No, what's the goddamn one where she trips over the tree root? And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The last bad flute goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a big section of the planet that the native race cannot access because they were bad. No. The, 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 the technologically dominant native race was abusing the inferior race and some like fucking third progenitor, party. Yeah. Progenitor race came by and was like, hey, fuck you. You're picking on them. I'm going to put a shield over them so you can't fuck with them anymore. And you deserve you deserve the shame. And we're going to come back and deal with you guys. Like, Hey, what's that flying block? <laughs> why are all these cables in my throat so they got uh assimilated that's what you get for being too fucking technologically advanced the borg snatch your ass up that's the last time we had this go around and there were certainly enough of these episodes in voyager where you got shades of you know even like western industrialization victimizing native simplicity right it's why it's why we called him captain planet episodes because it just there recreates it, that, recreates it those that, that 90s sensibility. That was a very Malon, aka Malorn. Not hard to go back through and find it. And always we would complain about the notes they would take on it. But now was the opportunity to really establish why it is a Starfleet imperative to protect people in these situations. And I almost feel like one of those studio notes was like, you guys are playing the Native American card too many times, or or something. Maybe you're too preachy. I don't know what, but avoid it because there is, again, no discussion to any of this at all. And it sticks out like a sore thumb because here's a place to have it. Um, and I don't know. I feel like they just they slap the button too many times in Voyager. And we're told, no, you don't get to use this anymore. So as you mentioned, the plot is very simple. They, they beam down. Uh, it's Hoshi and T'Pol together and then Trip and Archer together. Uh, T'Pol and Hoshi notice some radiation diseased people and trip and uh, Archer find a curio shop that has the signature trip uh, uses his lockpick skill. And yeah, he, like what <laughs> he's got a lockpick, like a physical lockpick, a fucking like a sonic screwdriver. Is that what it's from? He's got something with a, a green light. He's like, Oh, I'm going to, bypasses like a why does a fucking starfleet engineer know anything about tumbler locks what a tom <laughs> Paris moment like i'm actually earth's foremost authority he on- just went through white run and he just he just he just leveled it up you know and like all the doodads you're gonna sit there and actually try and pick a lock you're you're, you're blown over an important part here we call pointy ear people out in space space elves to Paul with her fucking Renfest outfit on is the most space of space elves. Yeah. She is an amazing space elf. Like 
she does actually look very elfin in the hair and all of that. It's get her in Lord of the Rings, or yeah. you know what? I, I she could have been Gladriel's handmaiden number two. Fuck yeah, man! Like she comes back up to the ship if she was like, you know what? I'm gonna hang out in this uh, cloak with this hair down <laughs> thing. After all, like, fuck yeah, man, do it. I did like after Yennefer like comes in on all of them breaking in. And, you know, she just fucking fit, tases her. <laughs> they're like, all right, now we got to do something with her. What are we going to do? And they just like find where she lives. They'll explain how they know. Yeah, she's got fine. state ID. They, they Listen, yeah. she's like, show me your papers. And, she, you know, she's there. And um, eventually they return to her to like talk over what's going like the weirdness that's going on. And uh, Archer is clearly like making sex eye with this lady and. And the ball is noticing just goes, yes, enjoy your tea before she leaves. Like, yeah, fuck that alien. I guess I'm like, I'm not your boss. Whatever. Like, you're no, my you boss. Want nipples on your wrists. Go help yourself. You haven't learned the lesson from your fucking Florida man engineer. I suppose <laughs> you're never going to fucking learn. <laughs> I was like the way that she, like the, her attitude in that scene was just like, yes, this is the kind of disdain I expect from you. So they fan out They're Like you said, they start investigating. Um, you got Trippin Archer over at the uh, the local general store, or I'm sorry, the, the high end item store. Yeah, yeah. They break in. Uh, again, I'm still enjoying the fact that you can't just fix all the problems with the transporter, not because you're ionizing the atmosphere or like, you know, having to make things difficult. Just again, the technology sucks and they're hesitant to use it. I like that it's it's not even a force field that keeps them at bay from getting into the basement. It's a uh, it's a magnetic lock or a magnetic field. Just super basic shit that like, like, come on, you guys can overcome. No, you can't. 24th century Starfleet would laugh at these problems, but that's what makes it more interesting. Like, I think actually the the bit best conceit they've come up with for the show is that the transporter is an unreliable piece of technology that no one trusts. That has actually been the coolest piece of texture to the show so far. Because it does make everything feel more analog and grounded and real just by taking away the magic transportation stuff. And it's funny because the transporter was born in original series as a way to cut costs and prevent them from having to show shuttlecraft landing on surface and all that other stuff. Right. So something that was born in original series as a cost cutting measure uh, being a focal point of the predecessor show as basically the forbidden fruit it's great the dude the the mcguffins down in the basement we can't get to it and in fact not only can we not get past the store we can't even scan what's below here there is a technological superiority at play here and we do not know what we're going to do they eventually get some data as a consequence of yennefer's prior investigation which is of course where you you get the bit about like how like she's kind of on it when it comes to uh, being very sophisticated as a mind. And that's when Phlox is able to say, yeah, they're straight putting fucking industrial motor oil into the water. These guys are super villainous. <laughs> like, this is not okay. I, as you pointed out, like, she confronts them because she's already doing her own investigation and she, like, sneaks up on them with the fucking uh, hand crossbow. And then... That only, does like, that only does like 1d4 damage. That was not going to waste one of them. I'm guessing the phase pistol does a little bit more. And as you <laughs> said, they take her back to her, her house or whatever. And she's like, what did you do to me? Uh, nothing. You just passed out. I, I can only imagine that the phase pistol Mark 1 was a crude instrument. And whatever niceties and, and conveniences that uh, the Enterprise D 
was playing with there. Probably not present that. That thing had to feel like getting a chair busted over your head. <laughs> yeah, like, and only a stun and kill. That means stun is stun. That means <laughs> like, stun is like a couple notches down probably from kill. <laughs> yeah, like stunned by your lack of consciousness. <laughs> like, yeah, it actually feels like Bane gave me a backbreaker. So I don't buy you didn't do anything to you. She she is almost too cool to the point where I have to wonder if there's like some character flaws here. Oh, she's absolutely too cool. Like I I I kind of from a comedy like storytelling standpoint, I like that they cut from you're about to get the download that aliens are real direct to her like lecturing Archer like what the fuck are you doing here? Like like that's funny. But yeah, they they went a little too far with her being 100% down with what was happening. They needed to give her a little bit of hesitancy. And there was just none throughout the entire episode. And again, that's not like I can say like, well, you know, they didn't really have time to flesh that out. This episode was nothing but time. It moved so slow. They had time for Archer to do the, uh, my translator isn't working. So I'm going to start making out with you to cover for the fact that I can't talk to you right now. Scene. They go back to the curio shop during the day to try and figure out what's going on. Trip and uh, Archer scan the guy who owns the shop. They find out that his DNA is radically different, and they they drop the masquerade. Uh, that's, uh, that's for like six of you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, what's up? You're an alien. We're an alien. What the fuck's going on here? Oh, well, you know, I'm here doing business. Yes, I'm just a little- humble cheese farmer. <laughs> I've come to live on this planet. I've a little machine in my basement. There's a machine clothes. in my basement for uh, for replicating stuff, which again, shades of um, false prophets, right? Yeah. They don't even accuse him. Like, you're throwing the economy off. You're like uh, replicating gold and abusing these people. Like, no. Nah. We're, we're more concerned about poisoning and this and that oh no you must be talking to Jennifer Vanderberg who's uh just out to accuse me being the new guy of whatever their awful little plague is which I've done nothing to try and help them with but. I definitely am not dumping a bunch of space oil into the water <laughs> that's clearly not what I am doing I am 100% legitimate now leave yes they don't never buy it that, never mind that <laughs> grease trap one of my employees is pouring down the storm drain in the rear <laughs> <laughs> so they like they don't buy it they go through all the investigative stuff we already covered and this this culminates in Archer and Yennefer uh confronting like the alien drop point with the alien ship they get into a phaser fight Yennefer you know watches it all go down and that's when we get the the comedic cut back to why are you even here and they resolve to solve the situation by beaming the generator for the mining facility into space so well you're cutting over the the cool part of the scene which is the bad guy aliens who will later be wiped out by the nomad probe but was oh they're they're lizards yeah they're lizards total lizards man i don't remember uh was it v from the 80s or the aliens oh yeah yeah, yeah. well there was a remake of v in the mid 2000s too well i passed on that one but these dudes got rubber (laughs) good decision (laughs) rubber human masks that uh, as I don't know, they're kind of Trandoshany looking. So yeah, they are like Trandoshany, but not like too Trandoshany. I love the low production value of this. Uh, we'll, we'll find out that there's take the Vulcan secret listening outpost and how it was just this massive back cave of like crazy shit going on. 
computers and whatnot that just seemed impossibly big. The mine that these guys are operating is like twice that size. And for all that work and all that equipment, whatever they're actually extracting from the soil is transported out by a dude in two wooden boxes on a fucking wheelbarrow, which is then carted out to the middle of the woods where it is fire in the sky. (laughs) And by the way, this alien race has transporters. And so they got to send a fucking shuttle pod down to hit it with like the green ooh ray and levitate it up into the cargo hold uh, while it's blowing this. Not even, it's again comically, it's not blowing this lady's mind. But then there's yeah, there's there's a little energy pistol shootout. It, it mildly surprises her. Yeah, she's like, that's like, interesting. Huh? Yeah. Like yeah. oh gosh, they're building a Dunkin' Donuts here. I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's that's exactly the attitude she has. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, but yeah, Archer takes this dude out in the fight, rips his face. But it's a fake face. Oh. Um, do they even have a chance to really like interrogate the dude? Like what happens? No, they just skip all that. They 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 cut back. To- clearly comes back to ha- like not even transporting him up to the ship as a prisoner. Like the guy comes back to haunt him and like shoot at him a bunch. So Yennefer and Archer go to try and solve the problem. And Enterprise gets into their 18th fucking fight that they shouldn't be in because they have weapons that suck. Like they just can't seem to help themselves and brawling with the ship up there. So how lucky that everybody that they've encountered that is hostile throws the slowest punches and shows the most mercy possible. Yeah, like the Enterprise is should have been infinity for one at this point. Like Enterprise is not a fight for anyone they fought yet. They have somehow won all of their fights. I don't understand, but uh, Archer picks the wrong button. Well, Vill- they get Villain- down. They, they they beat the shit out of Lizard Guy. They yeah. mug him. They take all of his stuff. They don't tie him up. They just take his shit. They just take his stuff. Maybe Archer thought he was dead. Oh, ooh, wouldn't that be dark? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure this guy's dead. Not knowing that like Lizard people are really good at playing possum. They go back to the curio shop. Magically, Archer knows a special code to hit on the fucking keypad that he stole off this guy. The door opens up. Um, speaking of concerning flight. John Reese Davies, right? Uh, they get into the basement and is that they the, find. Is, is that power thing the plot is the prop from that episode? The antimatter reactor in this episode is straight up the main computer processor from fucking Voyager. Oh my god, yes, you're right. I see that now in the memory alpha. Holy shit, it's the same fucking prop. I knew that there were like shades of concerning flight false prophets. Oh my god, it's come full circle. Yes. Yes. So they get in there and again the 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 low stakes antics that start from here. Yeah, it's so there's a space fight you never see. I don't know how else to put it. Like there I guess there's one shot where they shoot shitty torpedoes at the alien ship, but that's it. You don't see actual any counter counterfire from the alien ship. They never show it doing anything. It's just Enterprise getting rocked and a lot of bang, bang, holy shit, we're getting fucked up. Like a lot of that. And bad guy calls in. He's yeah. like, hey, I see you humans are like really technologically inferior. And much like my Malon predecessors, I'm going to throw you a bone here and say, just chill out before I have to fuck you up real bad. Can you guys just please chill out and go away? We, we were here first. And instead, no, we can't do that because 
Well, the, I, I think like the alien guy does like say that Archer's dead. So that kind of incentivizes them to stick around because it's not like they're like, hey, take your captain, get out of here. They're actually like making it a thing at that point. So there's a little bit of an issue. Um, throw in a throwaway scene between Trip and God. Actually, I want to talk about that. That was so fucking stupid. Like, are you seriously having the insubordination fight again? Like, to, to Paul and Trip, yeah, like they got fucking angry at each other. Trip got angry at her. Like, you've done this already. This was literally in the fucking pilot, guys. Why the fuck are you doing this now? Bad guy goes, get out of here, and then to Paul goes, all right. Get ready to break orbit. And then Trip goes, the fuck we are leaving uh, the captain below on there. And then he calls engineering to his direct subordinates and says, get ready to sabotage the propulsion system. So we have to stay here. And then she snaps back. I didn't say we were actually leaving. I'm going to fake these guys out. Um, again, tons of, of of episode real estate here to free up to have like real important scenes. And I think this would have been one of them, some sort of follow up where she fucking puts a knife to his neck in some dark part of the ship and says, you ever fucking commit insubordination to me again. And that's going to be the end of you, Florida, man. Like you have already pulled this shit. And also we've established per um, just last week. They had the like part heart and Dorian incident. Like, the the one thing to Paul does not play games with is accusations of insubordination, which would make me think that she's got a real stick up her ass when her subordinates uh, try to conduct mutiny. So that was a huge miss on this episode that they just swept this one under the carpet. Yeah, it was so off putting because it's the argument from the pilot. They've already covered this ground and they, they I feel like they've like built some fucking shit up to this point so that you wouldn't be having this argument now. That's the point where it's like to Paul's got some fucking credit now with everybody. So when she says, I'm going to pull some fucking bullshit trip should have been like, you know, maybe he's a little hesitant, but he buys into it. That's what they should have done there. Give and me a concerned look from trip and then have her immediately snap and like catch his eye with like a, a little Vulcan um, impish eye rays of like, Oh, just watch. Yeah, and like have them like have them vibe for just a second, you know, like show me that. Instead, they just they just have him blow up on her and it's stupid and it doesn't go. It doesn't nothing comes from it, but it's like off putting. But uh, down in the surface, you've got the reactor room, which Archer has pushed the after a little debate. Do I hit the yellow button or the blue button? He hits the blue button. It seals the door. Bad guy just so happens to be there on the other side of the window and says, well, you're uh-huh, I got you now. <laughs> I got you, but I don't know how to open my own doors, nor does our transporter work here or other, you know, plot inconsistencies. Hey. Meanwhile, he's already told them that they're dead right up on the ship, but he goes, I'm evil, though. Look at me steepling my fingers. If you open the door. Everything will be fine. And you as the audience know that this evil lizard's going to kill him because he already said he was going to kill him. And before you could even give a shit about that. I don't know what happens. He he pushes another button and this time it's the right button and the doors open up. And the field drops and they run out and they go, OK, now's your chance. And then we go to the Bellana Taurus playbook of do we care about first contact? No. We engage in a <laughs> super low energy phase pistol fight out in front of all the mundanes 
where it's uh, Yennefer and Archer hunkered down behind a fountain and all the lizard people just popping off shots with phaser fire all over the place. Fortunately, though, they are gathered around an explosive barrel. And (laughs) he shoots the explosive barrel. We shoot the explosive barrel after the most, the most like low, like real calm gunfight dialogue I've ever seen. Where Yennefer is like, hey, we're near my shop and there's a barrel over there that had blah, 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 blah. And Archer's like, oh, huh. No phase or fire during any of that. I, this is a real F minus, even for German <laughs> yeah, era gunfights. Yeah. So he blows up the explosive barrel and just goes, I've won now. You have to leave. And he's like, all right. And he's transported away. <laughs> he comes over and says, you guys need to get the fuck out of here. Uh, meanwhile, I, I <laughs> before he lets him go up on the ship, they beam. Oh, oh, they see that their torpedoes don't work against this other ship and they're they're fucked. And the DePaul's like, well, if they want this reactor so bad, and I was like, oh, damn, are they about to fucking like beam a nuke up on this enemy ship and like give them all cancer, or, like blow them up like this? <laughs> no, it's like the classic drop a mine near the enemy vessel and then shoot the mine and blow it up like th- right after the double axe handle that Kirk busts out. This is like the number two most popular thing to do. <laughs> In a Starfleet fight. <laughs> it's just Starfleet training, you know, like at, at the Academy is like personal combat. The double axe handle, you know, like the secret technique of Federa- we're Federation. We're going to learn about putting something explosive next to the person you're trying to fight and shooting that instead of them. You know how naval mines were a thing 600 years ago? Now they're a thing in space. Archer shoots the explosive barrel that doesn't kill any bystanders, luckily, or start a fire that burns the town down, or even kill the guys he's shooting at. And it's definitely a terribly composited in effect. And Obviously. But he goes over and goes, all right, I win and you lose. Get out of here, guys. And they're like, okay. And then Archer's like, here's all of your guns back. <laughs> Get your shit out of and here, they're like. Too. Thank you for our guns back. It sucks we lost. Beam out. What? The last. They deserve to get fucking killed by the Nomad Pro. (laughs) What fucking dummies? The last scene is Archer having a conversation with Yennefer to be like, all right, you're really rad. You're a cool chick. Here's the medicine that everyone's going to have to take to get over all the space oil. The Paul's people are going to check on you. And it's really up to you, but you should probably not tell people that, you know, all of this happened. <laughs> like, I don't, know else, I don't know what else to tell you, lady. Like, you're cool, but like, I don't know what else to do. And she's Complete like, right. fucking snore of a final scene. Well, I mean, you know, he gets a little tongue. He's a little goodbye. Does he? Know? I was so fucking bored with it. I didn't even notice. So, yeah, this is this is uh I like I like the coloring in and the lines of like them kind of fucking around with the, the prime directive. But other than that, like you said, it's it's boring and it's boring primarily because the ending just is just a wet fart. It goes nowhere. Still not worse than some of the bad episodes out of Voyager. And prior to this, I would say the next worst or that this would be the second place worst episode of this to um not Terranova, it was before Terranova. Unexpected. So Unexpected is the worst episode of this season. 
followed by civilization and civilization still not like wretchedly evil. Like I enjoyed planet um, Olive Witcher Garden. 2. Yeah. Planet Witcher two was good. I thought that the fellowship of the ring outfits were great. Uh, all looked amazing. And the guest talent was, was good. Um, it, but it's just, I, it's fun one, to make fun of because it is like so low energy. Like it's just some oh. kind of weird how this came out, and they're like, "Yes, print it." There or was it. even okay. notes in Memory Alpha that there was supposed to be more action combat, and basically Scott Bakula is like, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean they had plenty of like punches of him like beating the fucking alien unconscious in the in the uh, wheel. Let me the ask you this: scene. Why is it always Scott Bakula getting in fist fights? Why are they not given Trip uh, or Mayweather or Dom? Like, I'm not buying Scott Bakula as a fucking action hero. And and is that what's happening? Is like the, the show is trying to make him the action hero? Uh, he's are the primary trying character. Hurt? They're trying to make him the main character. He's doing the heroic shit. And, you know, they got just got done with a captain who wouldn't be the guy to have the fucking fistfights, right? Like... It was a lady. You had to typically kind of offload that to your male. Listen, if we're going to play the the gender card, I'm going to vigorously point to Belana Torres, who that's something important I want to talk about. I mean, I'm not saying that they didn't have the their female characters in Voyager occasionally have action lead episodes like microcosm or like sure. Bolana's sweaty adventures on the Malon starship in season five or whatever. She got her ass kicked a lot and she got yeah. a lot of fights. She got bit. She got. Yeah. But like when you're talking about the long, you know, fucking fight scene sequences, those, those are almost always dudes that are doing that. Cause that's what the start no. performers are. That's what the start performers are. Right in the fucking guys. blood plague or blood fever. And I mean, that, again, Bolana Taurus fighting that fucking. Yeah. But they're like, it's very rare when they do it. With the ladies, it is like we remember it because it happened like six times over the course of the entire run of the fucking show. It I don't know. Usually, Kubaka, that- Chakotay, or whatever. It seems like they're trying to make Archer this action hero, and I don't care about it. And you've got plenty of other people that could be sharing the fist fights instead. Like every episode is is him rocking some sort of a black eye or a split lip and, and <laughs> trying to make it. I, we we got something important to talk about here on the topic of assault and battery. I know we are in the past. I know we're predating original series. And that technology is limited. The fucking transporters don't even work that great. Where the fuck are the space pipes? <laughs> they haven't unlocked it. They I have not yet seen unlocked a the technology. person clubbed or assaulted by any sort of a pipe wrench rogue door handle or even a broomstick like they haven't unlocked that technology yet they don't yet understand its power man this is too early just think if the andorians had thought to pick up a club and hit archer with instead of their weak little blue fisted punches like the 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 ground they could have covered in those interrogations yeah again this this is a slow dud ish dud adjacent episode i it was begging for an awesome b plot and we just we didn't get it. And I think there were great seeds between the argument about is it our do we have any th- moral imperative to insert ourselves into this situation and the uh, the trip slash to Paul 
insubordination incident. And those just misses on both. Do they at any point actually circle around and never have a should we get involved debate? Yes. There's actually one of the better episodes of the early seasons. I forget if it's season one. I'm going to check. Is all about the really the crystallizing of the prime directive of like the consequences of involving yourself in something and not knowing the consequences of doing so. Also to this episode, the complete lack of any sort of follow up to the point that they just had a a space gun fight in the middle of town hall or town square. Yeah. There's just like, "Eh, maybe hopefully no one will remember. No one's going to remember the excessive pew pew laser Star Wars grade battle we had. Oh, okay. No, the the episode I'm talking about actually comes up relatively soon. So it's this season. Well, it's and certainly it, something they need to have sooner than later, given yeah, the actions are taken. It's it's a great episode of Enterprise to be to be perfectly honest with you about what what it um, how it is that they go about the question and and what uh, ultimately the solution ends up being. Well, from here, we're going into season one, episode 10, Fortunate Son. And we've got, I don't know, is that Jimmy Kimmel? <laughs> is, <laughs> is that the the kid from the Mac Switch commercials who was like the young guy from um, Galaxy Quest? Two dudes, they look like, I don't know, they, they work in the the quick oil change uh, pit, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I know what you're talking about some mechanics and some, some very mechanically looking clothes. The enterprise crew is dispatched by Starfleet command to assist fortunate, a human freight vessel that has been attacked by a Nausicaan pirates. There's, there's some people we know on arriving. They're surprised to find out that fortunate's crew is resistant to Archer's efforts to help them and determined to seek revenge against their attackers, no matter the repercussions. All right. This is the kind of story I need get these fucking boomers involved. Start showing us what is earth's uh, intergalactic, uh, logistics looking like at this point and what is their intersection with Starfleet and exterior rule going to be looking like awesome I look forward to watching it with you my friend thank you to all of you out in the uh, V'ger please land whether you are on discord if you are in our comment sections if you are in our Facebook group or you are following us on Twitter we appreciate you and we will see you next week